Welcome back to Outnumber the Podcast. Today's episode is episode number 62, and we have a very special guest today. Um, her name is Mary Jordan, and she is one of my, Bonnie's, personal friends. We've actually been friends for um, over a decade since before either of us was married. So our friendship goes way back, and I just adore this girl and admire her to no end. She um, is currently a mom of four children. You'll hear a little bit more about her family life and her story with infertility and some of the most amazing tips and tricks for running your household and um, running your schedule as a mom. She will blow your mind and give you some amazing actionable takeaways. So let's hear from Mary. Hello and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. Welcome back, guys. We are really excited for our guest today. She is one of my, Bonnie's, personal friends, Mary, and she is so inspiring in so many aspects of her life. So we are going to welcome her and have her start by sharing a funny mom moment. So go ahead, Mary. Hey, okay. So as both of you probably know with potty training, it's definitely an adventure. And my son, my three-year-old son, insisted on wearing his underwear this day. And I kind of forgot he was wearing his underwear and we were out running errands and we were at Lowe's in the garden center. And I turned around and I just see him like being all over <laughs> the garden center. And I was just like, Oh, we don't be out here we go to the bathroom. So that was my funny mom moment. Thankfully no one was around. <laughs> you should have just picked him up and let it dribble into a plant or something like, Oh, we're just watering plants. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've forgotten I put underwear on a potty training kid and then I'm like, oh shoot, we're out and about. Oh, dang it. <laughs> yes. Mm. It's the worst when they keep insisting too. It's like, you're not ready. No, you can't. Exactly. We're really excited to talk to you today and we want you to start by telling us a little bit about you and your family. Um, so my husband and I have been married, will be 17 years this year and our oldest is nine. We adopted him from birth, or at birth, I guess you would say, when we were seven years into marriage. And then seven years later, we did IVF, and we had twins, boy-girl twins, and then we did IVF again, and we had a little girl, and then we just did IVF again, and we put two more embryos in. And so we find out Friday how many we're having. So yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and my husband works at Boeing, and I just, you know do all the mom things. <laughs> Love it. How so, far along are you? Oh, it's like super early with IVF. It's like, you know, everything. So I think I'm going to be five weeks and five days on Friday. And then they'll be able to actually go in and like see the yolk sacs. So then we'll see how many embryos actually attached. And then like at seven weeks, I can go in and see the heartbeats and make sure there's heartbeats. And then it's like getting to 12 weeks. So it's just kind of like a never-ending process of just making sure everything sticks, literally sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you're pregnant forever with IVF. <laughs> yes. <laughs> since, you, yes. Since you know from before conception, right? <laughs> yes. I know. My last pregnancy, someone was like, you've been pregnant forever. I'm going to tell me about it. Cause you know, <laughs> like from the two weeks in, you know, you're pregnant versus yeah. people are like, 
three months in and they're like, oh, I'm pregnant. So yeah, yeah. No surprise there, huh? Yeah. Okay. So we wanted to ask you, so part of the reason we wanted uh, to invite you on is to get a little glimpse into your infertility story, because we've talked um, just a teensy tiny bit about infertility on the show because neither of us have had experience with it, but we love um, hearing amazing stories, um, especially inspirational ones that we can share with moms who are going through the same thing. So would you mind just giving us kind of an overview, a little more in-depth overview of uh, your experience? Oh boy. Yeah. Like I'll try and do like the shortened version. So in a nutshell, my husband and I were married for about a year or two when we decided we would try to get pregnant. And then like another two years passed by and the doctor was always like, Oh, no, you know, totally normal. No big deal. And then I think after like the sec, so now we're like four years into marriage going into five years. And then I'm like, well, let's try this infertility thing, which to me at the time, I mean, this was almost the, I guess, I don't know. It was more than 10 years ago and fertility wasn't really covered under insurance a lot. I don't feel like it was talked about as much when we started going into it, or at least maybe I just, I don't know, was naive and thought no one else was going through it at the time. But, um, it just wasn't covered under insurance. So everything was very expensive. And so we started going in like doing the Clomid and the, you know, the basic stuff, taking some of the pills and they kind of made me crazy. And it was like, I would go in and there wouldn't be anything to show for it. And I was like, what? I'm on all this medicine. At the time I thought taking pills was a lot of medicine. I'm on all this medicine. I should have like better results. So then they like put me on shots where I was like doing shots into my belly and stuff, which is another hormone medicine. And then that, like I would get more embryos, but none of them would be like far enough not embryos, but like eggs, but no one to be far enough to be like viable. And I was just crazy. These hormones were just making me really angry <laughs> all the time. And I remember my husband being like, we really don't have to do this. And then I just remember thinking, well, maybe we're just meant to adopt. Like maybe that's our path in life. Maybe that's what God intended. So then we started looking into adoption and I would say we were six, maybe six years into marriage at this point. And that was a whole nother world. I was not, oh gosh, I can't even tell you guys, just the roller coaster ride that was. But long story short, we made our profile. We got certified. We put our profile up. Our birth mom found us. And that is like, I don't know how much detail you want me because I could go really detailed, but it would take <laughs> a really long time. I imagine. But long, long story short, it was at work. I, so our profile had gone up. And I remember calling my caseworker and I was like, why has nobody called us? Because in my mind, we've been going through this process for almost a year and our profile was up and I was like, okay, we're, we're cute. We're good looking. We're <laughs> fun. Like we're, our pictures look nice. Like why is nobody contacting us? And my caseworker was like, Mary, some people wait five years to have a kid. Like you need to move on with your life. You need to just move on. And I, was like kind of heartbroken. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to wait longer. It's already been seven years. Like, and I remember I was running, um, our work, my work had a gym and I was running at work and I remember running and I was just like, God, I can't do this. And so I'm just going to give it to you and I'm going to move on with my life and I will crochet. I don't know. I will figure it out, but I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. 
And I, it was the first time I ever experienced truly surrendering because all this time I was trying to control it. You know what I mean? Like setting the doctor's appointments, this wasn't working. So I'm going to do this. Now we're going to do this. And now this, and this is what our profile, everything I was controlling. And I finally got to a point where I just had to surrender. And then I went back to my desk and I opened up my email and literally the first email I saw said baby. And it was from our birth mother. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. I should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> so anyways, long story short. And so we adopted our son, Max, and then we kept trying to adopt multiple times and we'd have contact. It's like dating. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's like you're dating someone and it's really awkward and you hope they like you and you hope you don't say the wrong thing and you hope they don't change their mind. And anyways, so we went through that for years, maybe seven years of just the on and off with different birth mothers. And um, then we ended up doing foster care and we had a little boy for a year and a half. And that almost broke me. Like I just, it was so hard. It was so hard emotionally and mentally because I don't know how to explain it with that desperation. Like I was desperate for children and I couldn't do it myself. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't fulfill that need and I wanted it so bad. And I just, was desperate for it. And then like having our first, like filled that need, but then it like came up again and I wanted more kids. And so we decided to try foster care. And that was such a heart wrenching experience because I had to allow myself to love this child, knowing that in the end it could probably break my heart, that it would break my heart if we weren't able to adopt him and we weren't. And that was like the first time I ever experienced true grief like losing someone. And the only thing that gave me comfort was knowing that after this life, that little child will know me and he'll know how much we loved him and everything we did for him and how much we loved him. And so from there, then I felt like the Lord put on my heart to do, you know, IVF. And I was kind of like, no, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I was like, we're done having kids. We're going to be that rich couple that just travels everywhere with our kids because we can because we don't have a bunch of kids to pay for but then I, I felt like the Lord kept putting on my heart I'm like all right so I went to my husband like we're gonna do this we're going like full bang like we're just gonna go straight for IVF I call it, there's like three tiers like there's like your pills and there's like the IUI and then there's actual I, IVF I was like we're gonna go straight for IVF and we did and I was like all right well, it's meant to be and then we had we got five embryos which surprise we actually had six I just learned but so yeah here we are that was a long short answer <laughs> <laughs> that's I love how you describe um feeling the need to mother another child that's that's something that I think both Bonnie and I can relate to um so you talk a lot about how hard foster care was for you was that the biggest hurdle you dealt with during your years of infertility or was there something else I would say the biggest hurdle was just that desperation I felt that just that longing that could never be filled. And I tried different ways to fill it. And foster care was just one avenue I tried to fill it with, but it wasn't satisfying. Like it didn't fill it. And maybe it would have if it ended up in adoption, but the process was so heart-wrenching. But looking back, I feel like foster care was the thing I needed to prepare me for twins because mm -hmm. 
twins were cake compared to foster care. <laughs> Mary, I have to say, I feel exactly the same way. We did foster care for a while and it was only, we only got one placement and we had it for nine months and it was right before I had my twins. And I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, we can do this. I can love two of my own babies. I can take care of their needs because that foster care experience was so hard. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. I mean, it was the best thing. I wouldn't have changed it for the world, but it was definitely um, one of the biggest, I felt like the only way I explain it is like it broke me down so the Lord could bring me up higher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so then tell us what was the biggest blessing during those years of infertility? Um, I would say it was getting to know God in a way I had never knew before. Um, I kind of explain it where I felt like just something floating on the ocean and I had no control over my future when it came to growing my family and just trusting that God was going to make it work. And then just through this whole process, through adoption, through foster care, through IVF, seeing the Lord's hand. Like I remember my caseworker saying, when someone gets pregnant, the Lord's not sitting up there being like, crap, what am I going to do now? You know, <laughs> like, what am I going to do with this kid? Like there is a plan for every single child that comes to this world. And I just, I saw that in my son's adoption. And I saw it in, you know, our foster kid and I saw it in our, in our children today. So I, I would say just getting to know him in a way I wouldn't have before. I think that's probably the biggest blessing anybody could get in any experience. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we have to go through them. It's because that's how we build that relationship and learn to trust him in those hard moments. Yeah. And I think isn't that the whole point of faith is that, you know, life is going to break all of us at some point or another. Like if it hasn't happened yet, it will. And that's not to like go, go through life fearing it, but just to know that hard things happen, like things that you could never probably never imagine. And when it happens, you can either allow God to build you back up or you can just stay bitter and miserable. Right. Totally. And it's really easy to get that place, especially, you know, it was, almost 14 years, if you will, before we were able to have biological children. But looking back, it's exactly like, I felt like everything's prepared me now that I went through to, to be this mom to all these wonderful little children that make messes. <laughs> okay. So my next question is how do you think your struggles with infertility have affected like your attitude towards motherhood, your relationship with your kids? Do you think it's different than if you had been able to have kids right away on your own? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I was so immature. I mean, I got married at 20 and I thought I was so mature. And looking back, I'm like, Ooh, I was not mature. And I think I would have really seen my children as a burden and like putting a, you know, a, what's that? Well, I'm trying to think of it, but like a damper on all the things I wanted to do. And I feel like because it was withheld from me so long, that even in the hard moments, I will remind myself, like, I wanted this. I prayed for this. I cried for this, you know, and mm -hmm. just to remind myself, like, this is all I've ever wanted. And now I'm in it. And to just, one thing I tell myself is to kind of find the joy in it. And I, and I feel like I do. I feel like I've been able to enjoy motherhood so much more than I would have. And I feel much more prepared and willing to make the sacrifices, the personal sacrifices necessary to make sure that they're taken care of and that I'm doing what I need to do so I can be the best mom for them. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you had to work so hard for it. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So um, I really like what you said about remembering that you prayed for this. Um, I, I don't have any experience with infertility, like Bonnie said, but um, we have had four miscarriages. And so mm-hmm. I kind of understand a little bit the feeling of longing and loss that can come with, with something that happens like that. Yeah. So I, so I wanted to know what is one thing you would say if you could talk to your, your 20 year old self <laughs> or before, before any time before during these years um, that you were going through? I think if I could go back and tell myself like it was going to be so much better than I ever anticipated and that I would, I, I almost would say like, you're going to have so many kids. You're not going to know what to do with them. I probably, <laughs> I probably would have like laughed in my face because in my mind, like I just, that was never a possibility. Like that just was not a reality. It seems so far away and never possible, but I think it's just so true. Like with the Lord, all things with all things are possible. So I think I just remind myself like, hang in there, stay strong, keep your head up. So maybe I'd be a little more kind, like a little more positive in our <laughs> moments. <laughs> I think I remind me of myself of those things like every day. I'm like, okay, keep your head up. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that though. Don't you sometimes like look back on the younger version of yourself and just have so much compassion for yourself? Like, I just think, Oh, it's okay, honey. You're doing okay. You really are like, you know, those struggles, those years when you're thinking I'm never going to survive this, or I'm terrible at this motherhood gig or whatever. I wish I could just go back and put my arms around 27 year old me and say, you're doing great. It's, it doesn't look the way you thought it would, but you're doing just (laughs) fine. You know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're going to shift gears a little bit here because um, I know something about you that our audience doesn't know, and that is that you have a very unique perspective on motherhood and on running a household. So we're going to ask you a little bit about that and would like to have you describe um, how you approach motherhood a little bit like a business. Can you describe that perspective to us? Yeah, so I would say it was when we had our little foster baby and I felt like I had no control over my life and everything was falling apart. And I felt so out of control that I needed something to control. (laughs) And so I started, um, I started an organizational program and I started like purging my house and doing all these things. And in that process of trying to get systems in place and maintaining things, I kind of had this like epiphany of when I worked and I had a job, I got up, I mean, I had to be at work at 5 a.m. every morning. And so I would get up at 4 a.m., sometimes 4.30, so I was really tired. But I got up and I got dressed and I looked somewhat presentable and I would go to work and at work I would do certain tasks and I would set like certain amount of times and I would accomplish them because I was paid to do it is what I was supposed to do. And then I'm like, but here I am as a mom. And some days I'm like, I just don't feel like getting out of bed or I don't want to get dressed. And I'm like, and I don't put that same intentionality. And I'm like, and I could have cared less about my job, but I like being a mother is like one of the most important things I can do. And what if I took that same like mentality and applied it to motherhood? So then I decided, well, I got paid when I work. So I'm going to start paying myself. (laughs) (laughs) For all these tasks, I was grossly underpaid, by the way, but I would pay myself for these tasks and I had a goal of something I wanted to achieve. Like I wanted this money to go towards 
Um, cause I mean, this money didn't come out of anywhere. It had to come from somewhere, obviously, but I would pay myself and I had, because of this goal, I was super motivated and I started, I created, and in this process of paying myself in this motivation, I started getting routines in place. I started having systems in place and I, this like magical thing happened where one day I remember it was like 10 o'clock and I'm like, I got everything in for the day. I could do whatever I want. <laughs> It was, and it just amazed me at how just these structures freed up so much time that I didn't even know was possible. And then I started thinking like, well, how else could this run? Like, okay, so just like every business has their standard operating procedures and they're, they have meetings and then they have um, missions and all that. And I thought, well, how else can I apply this to our family? And so, you know, we started doing family meetings. So we had like couple meetings, we'd have family meetings. Um, we created a family mission statement and then creating departments. Um, I didn't come up with that. My friend, Anne Marie, she was teaching a class and she was like, yeah. And she's like, then I break my house in departments. Like that's the magic departments, <laughs> finding out what your departments are in your home, like what's important to you. Cause if you can decide what your departments are, just like there's an HR and there's finance and there's, you know, quality assurance or whatever. We have departments in our home. There's finances, education, spiritual food and nutrition, all those aspects. And each one of those have their own rhythm and systems. And if those can be figured out and find ways to implement them in the home, I just feel like it could run a lot smoother and be successful just like any business would. That was a long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So I am totally obsessed with idea, this idea, because I think that in general, most moms go into motherhood without a lot of training and research, right? We just have a kid mm -hmm. and we're a mom. And many of us stumble along joking about how there's no owner's manual for motherhood or whatever, but really there are so many resources online, in books, um, it's the experience of other mothers where we can glean uh, just some ideas for systems, for um, procedures, for ways that we can make our life easier. And so much of that is running a household, which many of us have not done a lot of before we bring children into it. And so that, that's like an added struggle on top of it. But I just love, love, love this idea because it really puts all the power in, back into the mom's hands instead of feeling like you're life is this like runaway freight train and you can't get a handle on everything. Right. It's like, no, you're in control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I found. I, I, I keep thinking that scripture by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. And I feel like that's how, you know, just doing those little things every day consistently is going to um, compound over time. And I just remember hearing quotes like successful people do the things that non-successful people don't want to do. So it's just learning how to do the things because there are days I don't want to wash the dishes and there are days I don't want to do laundry. And when I don't do them, then it backs up and then it creates more, you know, then the system's not being run, but by just taking the time to do them or I think honestly, the key is finding what motivates you and putting those in place. So you get those things done. But, yeah. I love that. This reminds me totally of um, our, both our everyday intention option episode about everyday intention, choosing every day, the things right. that we do. Yeah. And also I, I think my husband would just be like nodding along with you right now because he's so process and, and systems oriented that he, he would just be like, yeah, just set up a system for laundry and then, you know, it'll just work itself. <laughs> uh, so 
okay. So anyway, um, tell us a little bit about like the current research and study and work that you're doing along with this idea about um, this, this way of parenting. Well, I guess I'm, I am con I am constantly reading books about parenting. That's probably my downfall. I probably have like 40 plus books on parenting. And so, because to me, it's building that relationship. Right. And then there, there needs to be consequences and all that. So I think that's like one department that I'm working on is like the relationships department and what that looks like. And, um, the other thing is I'm, I love organize, organizing. So I'm constantly learning new ways to organize new cleaning systems, but what's keeps coming to the forefront of my mind is um, I was thinking about this the other day and I had this thought of what if I were to sit down and write out what my ideal day looks like like what would that entail and then using that pull out what kind of departments or what kind of systems need to be in place to allow me to accomplish that kind of day is that answering the question you were looking for oh well no that's that's really good um to, to think about it that way. I, I like working that working backward way, you know, looking at what result do I want and then how do I put things in place to make that result happen? In fact, maybe we'll have you um, also tell us offline, off air, what your top five pay, favorite parenting books are. And we can include those in the show notes because I think people are always looking for more resources in order to be, become this more intentional parent that I think everyone wants to be. Yes, definitely. And I, I can't even tell you how many parenting classes I've taken. You I think I'd be a better parent by now. <laughs> I think you're awesome. I think you're amazing. Okay. So I would like to ask you then if somebody wants to implement this system, what are your top like three to five tips for getting started with this, this idea of, of running your household like a business? Um, I would say one of my biggest tips would be learning to try blocking out your time. Like I used to try to run like, Hey, I'm going to get up at five. And then by six, I'm going to have this done and by seven. And then I wouldn't meet those goals and I would be derailed. And then I would just be discouraged for us the day and I wouldn't do anything. And so one of my mentors I worked with, Marianne Johnson taught me um, about the chunk clock, which is very similar to Jordan pages block schedule. And it's where you block out your time. And then by doing that, so let's say, you have your morning block and one morning you wake up at seven and you look at your morning block and maybe another day you wake up at eight, but either way you still start with your morning block before you move on to your chore block, if you will. So your chore block might start at a different time, but it doesn't start until your morning block is complete. And the morning block, I think the key to that, when you make your block schedule and Marianne taught me this was you write down your ideals and then you highlight the most important. So when your head hits the pillow, as long as you got those most important things done, it was a successful day. So in each block, I would have the one most important thing. And so if I got up late one morning, I could still make sure I got that one thing done and then move on to my next block, if you will. So that was kind of the first thing I started with and just getting in the habit of getting like moving through my blocks that I established. And then once um, I had the blocks going, then I could better implement the systems within the blocks, if that makes sense. I really, really like this idea. It makes me feel totally better about, I think I do kind of run my day this way, but it makes me feel totally better about running my day <clears throat> in this way that, that it's not dependent on, you know, the clock. Oh, I didn't, you know, get to this till nine o'clock or whatever, but, oh, I really like the idea. So I'm going to, I'm going to implement that one. <laughs> I feel like it's very freeing. 
you know, and it kind of keeps, and, and some, there were some days I'd be like, okay, hey, this block, you know, a friend came over. So we're going to take this block out today and we're just going to jump to the afternoon block or whatever. And so that's like always the first thing I work on before I start implementing systems, because then I can block out chore time and then then I can implement my systems for chores. So like Monday's laundry day, Tuesday's, you know, vacuum day or whatever, but I have it blocked out in my schedule. Um, the other thing I was going to say is motivations. Like you got to find your motivations from big to little. So like to get me started, it was getting my kitchen cabinets painted because I didn't want my husband to do it. Cause I knew it'd take like six months. And so I was super motivated to make enough money because I was quote unquote paying myself to save up for these cabinets. And it took me, I think five or six months, but I really was getting in these habits because I was super motivated once. Go ahead. Okay. So just, so just to clarify, you were saving money to have someone paint your cabinets from these little yes. things that you were paying yourself. Correct. Okay. To, gotcha. to like implement these systems. Like every time I vacuumed the floor, I would pay myself every time I read my scriptures. I paid myself every time I tucked my kid into bed and spent time with them. I'd pay myself all these things that were like important, but not urgent. You know what I mean? And like putting those in my system. Um, but once that motivation was gone, I didn't really have something else. I wanted a camper. And that was like, you know, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going <laughs> to save that much money. It's going to take me years. So I kind of lost that motivation. Um, but then just recently, I was kind of, as I was studying this morning, um, I was reminded that our homes are, you know, sacred places to, to keep our children protected. And I thought, you know, when I'm managing my home and running it like a business, I'm better able to be intentional about the things that are important that I feel like would protect my family as they go out into the world. And so that's kind of my new motivation to kind of help me get back on track because I'm not an expert at this. I'm not continuous at it. There's times and seasons I found to, I would say another tip is just be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself as you implement it. I found with younger children, it was a lot harder to maintain these standards I'd set for me, myself, you know, in these systems. And the more kids I've had, I've had to really, you know, change my cleaning system. So like when I had one kid, I would clean baseboards. Now I have four kids. That's not even on the list. I'm like, that's a chore for hire. If someone wants to, you know, make some money. I, I think, work. I think what she's saying is that she's lowering her expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And even in my to-do list, like I have these like daily routine charts and that I would do and it would be full of like 15 things to do in a day. And now it's like five. So it's just like the most important. So I would just say, start small and, you know, be patient with yourself. And there's no, there's no system out there telling you how to do this. You know what I mean? There's no like to do this because every family is so different and so dynamic. It's just, you know, a lot of trial and error because what, what I also found is what worked one season doesn't work now in a new season, at least when it comes to certain systems. So then systems have to be updated and yeah, all that good totally. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about this myself as I can always tell when one of two things needs to happen. I need to take a break from my children. Maybe that's just like an afternoon away. Maybe it's like two days away. <laughs> and when our systems need to be updated because everything starts falling apart, right? Like my patience is wearing thin. Nobody is falling through. I feel like I'm yelling a lot. It's time to like stop, rewind a little bit, figure out where the, where the gaps in, in the, where, where things aren't running smoothly, where we're finding hiccups, you know, and, and create a new system. And it does not have to be complicated for us. A new system basically just means a new schedule, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's create a new block schedule where it's not working to have chores be done after lunch. Cause everyone wants to, one wants to go out and play. So we're going to do them right before lunch, you know, and just to try things out in a new way and a new order and to not give up, up if it doesn't work. There's a hundred million different ways you can do things So just keep trying until you find something that works. Yeah. And I would say another tip would be start with yourself, like start with your schedule. Um, every night when I was like really diligent in this process, I would have, I would call it my nighttime blueprint and I would sit down with my planner and I would like plan out like what is going to happen tomorrow. What need, like what's the chore, you know, and all that. And it would literally take me five, 10 minutes. But then like the next day I would even remember to look at my planner, but I was getting things done just from looking at it. So I would say, start with yourself and you know, start with the plan. I don't know. I always say there's power in the planner, like the PP power in the planner. I believe in planners. Um, oh, but there is another tip too. Sorry, this is my last tip. No, I'll be quiet. But it's um, Ale- one thing that really helped me was Allison from the Allison show talked about do the things that leads to all the other things. So like when I don't want to clean my house or do my chore for that day, I do the thing that leads to all other things. I'm like, well, when I have music on, I'm, it, it helps me get in the mood for cleaning or if I have a book on tape. So if I start listening to a book on tape, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go do my laundry. Do you know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. the one thing I can do that is a little motivation to get me to do the thing I don't want to do. Oh, that's such a good tip. I really like that one. (laughs) Anything to motivate us to do what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us how has all this work and unique perspective changed your attitude about parenting like in internally like with yourself your attitude toward parenting and then also how has it changed your kids and your family um I would I I think it's taught me that it is possible to have that freedom that I think like as moms it's really easy to feel trapped or like we don't have time they do the things that are important to us. However, I feel like having the systems in place and putting the energy into those actually gives me more energy because it frees up time to put towards the things I really, you know, want to pursue personally. Um, and who doesn't want more time to do the things they really want to do? Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's thinking like these things, it feels like so much work or it feels super overwhelming. But it's knowing that over time, doing those little things day after day, it's going to free up so much more time because now clean the bathroom, it's just maintaining it rather than deep cleaning it, purging it, organizing, you know, all the things that we get sucked in doing whenever we start cleaning. Um, And then for my kids, I would say I am happier as a mom in a lot of respects. The the trick is to not be like, I have my schedule. Don't bother me. You know what I mean? Like to not (laughs) fall into that. But rather, um, it helps me stay intentional and make the time to be present with my kids and, you know, put routines in that, you know, like family reader lounge time. Like that was something I would pay myself for. (laughs) 
rent to the kids. Check, check. So, um, but I think too, um, I would just say, I, I think too, it's helping our kids develop good habits as well, because we're just, we're modeling good habits and it's not all the time, you know, but it's a step in the right direction. I always think of too, like when I walk into an office building, it's not like, you know, there's, there's some clarity, there's some organization. You can always tell when there's some systems in place. So anyways, I think it's worth the brain power that it requires to, to put it together. Yeah, totally. I especially love that last, that last thought that as we work to improve ourselves, and we talked about this in goal setting, both of our episodes about goal setting for parents and for kids, that as we do the work to improve our own lives and become better people, our kids will follow suit. And, um, and if we choose instead to take our afternoons to sit in front of the television, our kids will also follow suit. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you have to run like a sprinter all day, every day, but it does mean that as you create these structures, um, in your life that you'll be able to create something of your life that you never imagined, you know, and, and instead of just being this passive parent where things just happen to you and you react, you're getting out there in front of it and saying, if parenting really is the most important thing in my life, which I think we all kind of believe, then I should be putting effort in and not just putting out fires, but like, you know, preemptive structures and schedules and, and plans for when things go awry or when things don't work out as, as expected, we know how to handle them. And I, I just love that thought. I think it's so powerful. Yeah. I would say to implementing this, I've been able to work with a lot of mentors. And so it's helped me grow as a person. Do you know what I mean? Because I have to figure out, well, why am I struggling with this? Or why is this not working? Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's requires some personal um, evaluation too, to kind of figure out what's holding me back from accomplishing certain things that I say are important. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to have talked to you today. And I hope, I, I feel like um, I really needed to hear what you had to say because I feel like, oh, I feel like I just definitely need to put some systems into place, um, both so that things can be more pleasing in my house that that I'm happier or feel like I'm one of those people where if there's clutter on the floor, I'm just like, uh, angry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so that things, so that things can be more pleasing to me, but also so that I can feel the freedom of having the time to do what I want. So I, I really hope that um, our audience finds as much help in this episode as, as I've found just listening to you. I also do. And you know, it's funny cause I always, um, I think physical clutter creates mental clutter as well. And so I think those systems and routines help us create an environment that allows for, to free up our brain, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's worth the effort for ourselves and for our family. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for joining us. We have, I have loved hearing your whole infertility story and, and we're personal friends and you've helped me in so many ways in creating systems and order in my house. And so I'm so grateful that I got to share with all our friends online, all the wonderful wisdom you've shared with me. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And Mary, can you tell our audience where they can find you online so they can follow along with your, both your pregnancy journey and um, as you keep on developing these systems of running your house like a business. Yeah. Um, so I'm just on Instagram at some Jordan goodness. Okay. We'll link that in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies, you have a fabulous day. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon, and there are three different levels to support us there. Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at Outnumbered the Podcast. We're always having fun over there, too. As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.